Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Today is Monday, July the 5th, 2021, and we are continuing our study of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous in the chapter, How It Works. We're on page 68, the fourth paragraph, now about sex. Today's readers are the 12 steps. Betty W., 12 Traditions, Kathy M., Readers of the Text, Leon B., Marge O., and Nancy P. The share ID for the Sunday Special Edition, July the 4th, 17281. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hopes, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Betty W. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Betty. Please press star one to unmute, Betty. Can you hear me now? I can, thank you. Oh, great. Um, I thought I was unmuted. Okay. Um, Good morning, and thank you for uh, leading the meeting, Lynn, and for all your service. And good morning, visionaries. It's a pleasure to be with you on a beautiful Monday, um, sunny morning. And um, uh, my name is Betty W., and I'm from central New York, and a recovered, for today, compulsive overeater. Thanks to my higher power and the power of the program. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, <clears throat> excuse me, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, may direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying for uh, knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry him out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Betty W. And Kathy M. will read the 12 traditions. Welcome, Kathy. Good morning, Kathy M. in Michigan. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the AA name, the OA name, to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to be of service. Thank you, Kathy M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We're in the chapter, How It Works, on page 68, the fourth paragraph, now about sex. Leon B., could you read for us, please? Yep, this is Leon B., gratefully recovered um, in Simpsonville, South Carolina, calling from Kiowa Island, South Carolina. 
Many, now about sex. Many of us needed an overhauling there, but above all, we tried to be sensible on this question. It's so easy to get way off track. Here we find human opinions running to extremes, absurd extremes perhaps. One set of voices cry that sex is the lust of our lower nature, a base necessity of procreation. Then we have the voices who cry for sex and more sex, who bewail the institution of marriage, who think that most of the troubles of the race are traceable to sex causes. They think we do not have enough of it or that it isn't the right kind. They see its significance everywhere. One school will allow man no flavor for his fare, and the other would have us all on a straight pepper diet. We want to stay out of this controversy. We do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. We all have sex problems. We'd hardly be human if we didn't. What can we do about them? Now, I'll be honest with you. Early in my walk with these steps, I really did not understand this part of the book. I just thought about the women in my life I had used and hurt. I put them through the columns that we'll be talking about later, and I placed them on my step eight list. I was uh, prepared to apologize again to them on my step nine. And I say again because I, because before I came into OA, I had already made up my mind to, to follow a higher power, um, follow God 23 years ago. and something came over me at that time that, you know, that prompted me to seek out these women. And I did apologize for my actions. When I told my sponsor this, he wisely told me to remove them from my step eight list. But it was great to look at sex in this way, through the eyes of of the big book, because it really did help me to see my part. And uh, and for example, um, my son's mother would not let me pick up my son one summer. She I mean, she embarrassed me in front of my, my new wife. I had to go get the police to enforce a court order. She lied to the cops and said he wasn't he wasn't there when when we all arrived. Now he's six at this time. The cop instinctively asked to search the home and found him hidden in a closet. She had hid him in a closet. You know, and so what does this have to do with my, my sex inventory? So, you know, who did I hurt? I hurt my son's mother. You know, what did I do to her? You know, I talked her into having sex with me because I wanted this sex instinct satisfied. I was selfish and I wanted to have sex with her. So I was dishonest, told her I loved her so I can lie with her. And then afterwards, I was very inconsiderate of her feelings because I just dumped her, leaving her to raise a son all alone at the age of 18. And I wondered why she would hide him from me. And I wonder why she put me through all the hell in my life, you know, and and what should I have done? I should, should have treated her better. I should have not treated that young woman that way. Even if I got her pregnant, I should not have made her feel like she was going to be raising that child alone. Now this story all ends well. Um, and, and that was my experience. But now that I read these paragraphs, three years into my walk, I see so much more. You know, AA does not want to get into our business when it comes to sex. He's very care- careful not to judge our sex life and tells you it's between you and God. And he says we want to stay out of this controversy. We do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. And then further on the topic, he talks about we ask God to mold our ideals and help us to live up to them. God alone can judge our sex situation. Counsel with persons is often desirable, but we let God be the final judge. In meditation, we ask God what we should do about each matter. So I see that Bill is trying to give us this framework to take a deep look at our um, sexual relations. And um, there's so much 
to be said over this subject in the next few paragraphs. I look forward to hearing uh, what everyone else has to say, and I pass with that. Thank you, Leon B. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared on Thursday or Friday of last week, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Teresa. Arlen G. Dara L. Okay, I heard Teresa, Harlan G, and Dara L. Who else would like to share this morning? All right, let's start off with that lineup. Oh, sorry, who was that? Phil M. Phil M. Vicky V. Anyone else? Vicky V. I got you. Thank you, Vicky. Oh. All right. We have Teresa, Harlan G, Dara L, Phil M, and Vicky V. Teresa, could you start us off, please, and give us the initial of your last name? Hi, I'm Teresa P. from California, recovered compulsive overeater. And uh, uh, this has always been a, a sensitive subject for me. It's just like taboo. We don't talk about this, or at least I didn't talk about it. And I didn't know how to share it, and it was like being all alone. Well, no, it wasn't like being all alone. I was all alone with, you know, me, myself, and I. And let's not talk to anybody, even my husband. And we have been married for 50 years. And, you know, I had expectations of uh, of how everything ought to be and ought to be pure and perfect and somehow the romance and the, you know, the butterflies and all that stuff. And, oh, and I also had... Uh, at one time planned to be a nun. So I really had all kinds of ideas uh, about what should happen. That's not how it went. Um, And I wanted to blame everything on my husband. If it didn't look right or I didn't feel comfortable about it, it was his fault. And then I turned around and blamed myself. So the bottom line was, is I was not sensible about sex at all. And I didn't get any help for it and uh out, any outside help because there I am me myself and I the good news is that God does provide and one of the really truly great things is this you know my my husband does truly love me and I truly love him and what it has shown me especially um redoing the steps here and uh redoing them one more time is seeing more about this, the sexual intimacy, not only physical, but respect and loving tenderness. And one one of the things that I have 
looking at my part is I have not given my husband the respect that he deserves as being my husband for 50 years and a father of our four children. And that is something that I need to work on, correcting myself. And we're both older now and, and, you know, and he still is who he is. And you know what he has, that is his divine right from God to be. God made him as he is and he is who he is. And I am who I am as God made me. So I get to put it all in God's hands and go, God, what do you want in me to do about this? And reveal to me what you wanted, want me to do about this. And it has been to treat him with the, the courtesy and respect and loving kindness as, you know, my husband of 50 years and the father of our children. And also at the same time, make sure that I treat myself with that same courtesy and respect. And what that all is going to look like? Well, I put it all in God's hands and reveal to me. Thank you for letting me share my pass. Thank you, Teresa P. Harlan G., it's your turn, followed by Dara L. Good morning, Harlan. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you very much, and thank you for your service, making the meeting possible to Team Monday. Um, this is a an old thing of mine that the most misunderstood steps are three and four, and the most underutilized are two and ten. And this is a part of the fourth step that is very misunderstood, especially by me when I first came in. When I first came in, I said, I don't have to do this because I came in at 24 and I went on my first date with a girl when I was 35. And it was explained to me at that time that this is not just about a list of people that we've had sex with, far from it. What it is, is a list of transgressions using our God-given sex or personality powers. In other words, you don't have to take your clothes off to harm somebody in a sexual way. These were the things that were explained to me. Did you use your God-given sex powers to manipulate another person? Did someone have an interest in you that you had no interest in them at all whatsoever, but you used them? Maybe you just didn't want to be alone. Maybe you just wanted somebody to buy you dinner or be with you or, you know, keep you company, something like that. Did you use your God-given sex powers for something other than what they were intended for? Did you make unreasonable demands on another person to do something that they had expressed that they were uncomfortable doing? Did you refrain from doing something that would please a partner uh, just out of pure selfishness? Did you cheat? Now, obviously, cheating is the obvious one. Um, And I believe that for me, and I can't judge anybody because I'm not the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct, I cannot be working the steps while I'm breaking the Ten Commandments. That would be incongruent for me. So in other words, to bring it home, did you use your God-given sex powers to harm another person, even though that was not your intention at the time? Did you hurt them? And so after this was explained to me, it put it in an infinitely better focus for me 
And it really made me see that even though I had never been on a date, I'd never had sex at that time. He said, did you use your personality to manipulate other people? Let's start with that. Because I couldn't do a sex inventory, as I said, because I had never been on a date. So the bottom line is this can be for many, and what I've witnessed over the decades, a very misunderstood thing. Because we want to make a list of the people that we've had sex with and say, oh, we shouldn't have had sex with them. That's, that's not what this is about. This is about looking at how did I harm others through my selfishness and through my wanton desire to get my own way, further my life, do what I wanted to do to manipulate others for my own selfish ends. And that's what it's really about. And Lynn, thank you again. With that, I will pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan G. Dara L., it's your turn, followed by Phil M. Please go ahead, Dara. Great. Thanks so much for your service. I'm Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Philadelphia. And, um, you know, being a sex and love addict, I absolutely love this paragraph because um, it explains for me why I'm incapable of doing this. Like, I cannot... Um, this whole idea of, um, you know, being the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct, like this, the thing is my behavior, both in and out of abstinence, like this is my fourth time recovered. And the three other times um, I recovered in this program without also working a sex and love addiction program. And so in abstinence, I did things like cheat on my partner. Um, in abstinence, I binged and purged on people and I could not stop. And I tried. I tried so hard and I worked this program like my life depended on it. But I had the same insatiable appetite for sex and love and being worshipped by other people and worshipping other people that I, I was like caught in that trap and I couldn't I couldn't get out of it. And I didn't know how to do sex, love and relationships any more than I knew how to feed myself. You know, like I had no idea what was healthy and what was normal. And I'd been using sex and my body since the age of five years old, right, to get what I wanted. And so, you know, like, I love addiction was my first addiction. Um, and so all of this to say that um, I think for me, something really, really important, you know, later on in the, in the chapter, spoiler alert, it's going to tell us like, you know, sex is especially troublesome, throw ourselves the harder into helping other people. And I tried that and it, it didn't, it didn't work for me because I'm, I have an addiction in that area. And so what did work for me is the same things that worked with the food, you know, sort of seeking outside counsel to figure out like, what is, you know, what is sensible when it comes to sex? Cause I didn't know that. Right. Um, making commitments there, working another parallel 12 step program and not trying to use OA to do everything for me, because sometimes for me, I've tried to treat things here like character defects that are not, that are, you know, addictions, that are compulsions that I can't stop. And so I've been insane about sex, both in abstinence and in the height of my disease. And actually, my compulsive overeating, um, thankfully, it, it made me isolate because I was binging and purging 12 times a day. So like I didn't have space or time to date. So my, my sex stuff gets worse 
in abstinence. Um, and, you know, maybe I'm not the only one who has that experience, but certainly what this tells me is that, like, there is no shame in anything that separates us from God, but there is a treatment, there is a solution, there's a way to get out of the space of not being able to live up to my own ideals, and also a way to, like, get some clarity around what those ideals should be. If you, like me, have no idea, I had no idea what was healthy, but I did know um, that every single sponsor I had in OA said to me, I think you have a problem with sex. And this time I said, I think you're right. <laughs> and I'm doing something about it. Hi, so please. thank you so much. And I'll pass. Thank you, Dara L. Phil M., it's your turn, followed by Vicki V. Good morning, Phil. Um, good morning, Lynn. Thank you very much for, for hearing me. Um, my name's Phil. I'm a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater living in Kirk Fergus in Northern Ireland. Um, yeah, when I heard people weren't sharing, I thought, well, I do have something to share. And so I came on, although it can be an area that is, seems a little embarrassing and shameful. Um, one of the first things I'd like to share is that when I was doing my uh, fifth step the first time, I shared uh, something in my past that was very embarrassing and to me shameful. And immediately when I shared it, I felt anxious, you know. Uh, that this person now knew something about me that really nobody else knew. Uh, But she was so kind. She then shared some of her history uh, with sexual encounters. And um, uh, that was very powerful and that was very vulnerable and trusting of her to do that too. And it made me feel an awful lot better. Um, So that that was a great approach. Also, uh, I've come across the term um, anorexic, and one of my other sponsors, she said that in OA, we're we're less likely to be active in that area than um, maybe some people in other other 12-step programs. Um, And and I recognise that, yes, that would certainly be something, um, you know, in my background. I've been on my own now for 15 years. Um, my husband and I had separated before he passed away in 2018. And I'm starting to feel, you know, really content in my own body and with myself. And I'm starting to think, you know, well, there may be a possibility for a healthy relationship now. And I'm not going to shy away from that. Um, it'll not be the end of the world if it doesn't happen. If it does happen, it'll be lovely. And what would be really nice is that God will be part of it. I used to see sex and pleasure in sex as something um, that wasn't, you know, holy or or sacred. I now have a new understanding that it is something very special. And um, I am hopeful. But whether it happens or not, this program makes me really happy working this program with you, with everyone here. It's just a privilege. It's a pleasure. And um, I'm just so happy with my life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Phil M. And Vicki V, it's your turn. Please go ahead, Vicki. Hi, this is Vicki V from New York. Thank you so much, uh, everybody, for making this meeting possible. It's been a long time since I've shared, but I've been here with you all every day. I can remember uh, hearing about the sex inventory. I've been in programs since 2008, but OA only since, only for two and a half years. 
And uh, the sex inventory, I had never done it until two years ago, and it was quite enlightening. It helped me to see the patterns of the disease in the relationships of my life, repetitively giving up self-love for the comfort of my mate, looking to others to fill the hole inside of me, presenting as a partner that would be the answer to all of your prayers, because I was a hero, you know. I would be everything they needed. The one thing I realized is that the, the spiritual awakening that came was this thought. I had never been in love and in the food at the same time. And, and this is, I am 56. This is a 20-year-old journey for me and only two years of recovery. And that thought alone shared with my sponsor, my higher power, myself and found through the big book, the words and, and the experience of the big book and all of you that share so intimately on this meeting really helped me to pull apart that this was not about the physical act. But again, it came back to that spiritual malady. You know, I had resentments that others weren't giving me what I needed. And meanwhile, I was totally ignoring the people in my life that were willing to have intimate relationships with me, my family, the people I see every day at work, you know, most, most important, my fellows, and even my sponsors who I didn't allow to fully see me. I am now truly me today with the help of God, my sponsors, my fellows, and, and all of you on this meeting. So I just wanted to say thank you and relate in on this very important step. Again, not being about the physical act, but about the spiritual malady. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you, Vicki V. Just a reminder for those who might have come on the line a little bit later this morning, we're in the chapter, How It Works, on page 68, the fourth paragraph, Now About Sex. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared on Thursday or Friday of last week, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Hello, Pamela. Pamela P. from New York. Okay, I heard Pamela P. and Katie G. Who did I miss, please? Leslie W. Melissa W. Was that Melissa W? Leslie W. Okay. Les yeah, I got you, Leslie, but there was somebody oh, after you. you. Okay. I've got Pamela P. It was Melissa, Melissa W. Thank you, Leslie W. and Melissa W. Anyone else? Okay, let's start with that lineup then. Pamela P., it's your turn. Good morning, Pamela. Yes, hi. Um, thank you very much for your service, and thank you for the amazing meeting, everybody. Uh, my name is Pamela P. from New York. Um, wow, so 
I in a relationship and I just broke up with my boyfriend or he kinda of broke up with me Wednesday night. And I notice a lot I usually be um with men um for them, you know, to help me out financially and a lot not a lot of giving but not taking um from the guy in no way, just being self servant. And I had changed a lot over the years. And right this moment, the last week or so, the food been very calm. And I thank God for that. And I thank my program family for calling me and advising me. And I thank God, you know, for me to just shut up and listen to the recovery and take a right. And so I've been trying to eat every day before 5.30 p.m. And I wake up early. And it seemed to work for me. Don't eat nothing after 5 or 6. And I just notice I be relationship sometimes with men very controlling and, like, you know, and I just couldn't take it no more or saying I'm, I gain weight, I'm so fat. I look a certain way, like quite a controlling. And I'm just starting to like myself the way I am until I get to my goal weight and just trying to focus on God and program and positivity. And I know to do a toxic relationship, and I will going to continue to stay in. But the grace of God, certain stuff happened, and I'm out. And I am nervous because now, you know, the financial help not there. But I still got God, and I still have faith. I have my program family, and with that, I will make it. I will get through this. I have to take bad treatment just, you know, just to get by. And I couldn't do that without binging and purging. Once I start binging and purging and calming down with the food, a lot of clarity had came to me. I just feel more focused. And I'm not perfect. I slipped the other day a little bit. But I I really want to get to true recovery. I want to get to recovery that confident that I don't go to the food no matter what. So I am trying. This is the best I have been in almost eight, nine months. And I thank God for this meeting. Great recovery on this need. And for that, I pass. God bless everybody. Thank you, Pamela P. Katie G., it's your turn, followed by Leslie W. Good morning, Katie. Hey, Lynn. Thanks for taking the meeting. Katie G., recovered in Boston. So we're in How It Works. We're on the third part of our fourth step now about sex. And, um, you know, this isn't about sex. It's about another manifestation of selfishness, right? And um, how my disease sees the world through my selfishness. So I think it's really important to recognize we're entirely abstinent when we get to this step. Um, And 
I think it's also important for me to recognize this isn't about me judging anybody for being part of another sexual community doing a sexual act. What this is about is how does selfishness manifest itself? And that's what we're talking about. Everything else is an outside issue. Um, and thanks be to God for that because there are people who have no flavor for his fare and others who would have a straight pepper diet, which makes it feel unsafe to talk about. I came into the rooms because of my sexual conduct history. Um, I came into the rooms because I didn't have an intimate relationship with myself or God or any of you. And the only way I started learning to have um, an intimate relationship with myself, with God, and with all of you is through these 12 steps. And um, this portion of the big book is, I agree, underutilized and, and absolutely profound. Um, we are going to come up against pro um, questions and I think it's important to recognize look we'd all be we none of us would be human we'd hardly be human if we didn't have sex problems like yeah another area but we're also addicts and so it's vitally important vitally important that I'm not violating anybody with my selfishness in this area I find the questions that come up um, a spoil alert really really helpful I find the prayers really really helpful and and I find the ideals really really helpful I have gone on um, this did start as um, in the beginning to help me figure out who I was having an affair with and when I did not approach people who I had had affairs with I found other ways to make amends um, and I have found it incredibly helpful to use this these connect couple of pages as an active text for who I am in a um, sexual relationship who I am in an intimate relationship so I've put God into my sex ideals I've put friends into my sex ideals I've put who am I as a member of the vision for you meeting ideals um, what is my responsibility where am I selfish where am I dishonest where am I inconsiderate on the line um, you know whom had I heard did I unjustifiably all of these um, questions are just manifestations of selfishness and the reason this is so important is because if I don't clean up this part, this is one of the places in the book that it does promise that I will eat again, and I do not want to eat again. Please, God, one more day, I do not want to eat again, and I don't want to fight anything or anyone. And this part of the four-step teaches me how to be in relationship again, myself, God, and all of you. And I'm so grateful with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Leslie W., it's your turn, followed by Melissa W. Good morning, Leslie. Good morning. Thank you so much, Lynn. This is Leslie W. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. I love it. Everybody, uh, we are, we're all piling on top of each other to share about fear and God and then <laughs> now about sex. <laughs> it's always so funny to me. It's like, <laughs> nobody wants to touch this with a 10-foot pole. Um, but, you know, I really am grateful for this part of the book because to me, what this what this paragraph tells me is to be careful, be wary of who I speak to about sex and about my sexual um, problems. <clears throat> and for me, sex was a weapon that I used, that I wielded. Um, I gave a... Uh, talk a couple of years ago on a special edition where I spoke openly about my sexual relationship <clears throat> with my husband and how I had harmed him in this area. And because of my selfishness, um, I shut down and I 
was not available to him. And I harmed him and I hurt him and I emasculated him. And I'm still making amends for that. But, you know, I hear from a lot of of women um, who really struggle in this area and they don't know how to, um, they don't know how to make it better. They want to make it better, but they don't know how. And I guess I just want to offer some hope today. <clears throat> I had to be very, very careful and very cautious and and about who I spoke to about this matter because it is a very sensitive matter and there are a lot of opinions on the subject. Um, but what I will say is that um, my husband and I went from a very adversarial relationship to a very health, a healthy relationship. We now have a healthy marriage, and that includes sex. And I just want to give hope to the women out there who might be thinking that it, it won't ever get better. Um, but it does get better. At least it did for me. And I just want to share that experience and that hope um, this morning because God did for me what I couldn't do for myself, um, which was give me a, a healthy relationship with my husband and for that and restore my marriage. And for that, I'm grateful. Thanks. Thank you, Leslie W. And Melissa W., it's your turn. Please go ahead, Melissa. Hi, Melissa W., uh, compulsive, recovered compulsive eater um, in New York. Uh, I am a little nervous to share on this topic. <laughs> um, I also just want to say thank you to the clarification that we don't have to take our clothes off for um, this to, to, to commit harms on, um, on this topic. You know, for me, my body is like the Venn diagram, right, of like the food and the sex. And my body is just like the battleground where all of this happened. And I grew up in a house where food was a family disease and sex was the family disease. And the messaging in the house was no one will ever love you if you're fat. And my mom is an active compulsive overeater and my dad restricts and, um, and is, um, uh, I guess, an, an exercise bulimic and, um, and, and very much communicated that to me. And so um, I did everything in my power to offset my compulsive eating with making sure that my body looked a very specific way so that he would love me and that, and that meant I couldn't be fat. And I reenacted that with every man in my life. I had to look a very specific way so that they would love me and what did love me me and love me just really. It just, it just had to be the physical act. And so, you know, selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, I need, I want my body to look a specific way that is acceptable to me. I use my body to control others. I use my body to control how you feel about me and how I feel about me. And my body is how I get what I want. By the way, I do that at work. I do that everywhere. I do that at the supermarket to get to the front of the line. 
it's how I influence men and how I influence women. It took me someone, by the way, in this program to explain that I thought that was how I was getting to clo- closer to people. It's actually how I was, it was, it was getting me further apart from them. You know, it makes me like me more. And I thought it was making you like me, you like, you like me more. It's actually making you not like me at all. And I use it to lock down love from people. 60 to 63, that was not working that well for me. And why am I doing this? Because I'm afraid. I am so afraid that I will be abandoned and unloved and alone. And again, it took me working these steps and all of you just to explain to me that my self-worth and that love has to come from God and being of service to others. And so thank you to all of you because I am so grateful that today I have an opportunity to live a totally different life. Thanks. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa W. And just a reminder, we are on page 68, the fourth paragraph, now about sex. So the line is now open for sharing. Who else would like to share on this paragraph, please? Anita J. Noelle E. I heard Anita J. and Noelle, I believe. Was there anyone else? Okay, Anita J., it's your turn, followed by... Oh, go ahead, Mary. Mary Ann V. Mary Ann. Okay. Anita J., it's your turn. Please go ahead, followed by Noelle. Thank you so much. Uh, this is Anita J., recovered in uh, Massachusetts. I just want people to know this just doesn't go away with age or widowhood. Whatever the twisted thinking or behavior It has nothing to do with a marriage certificate. You know, I recovered many years ago through therapy and a group uh, for the sexual abuse that happened to me as a child. But the residual effect was how I treated other men and how other men, men, and um, and how, how, it affected all relationships because it would affect the women of the other men too. What I finally saw through the 12 steps in recovery was this flirtatious quality. And I had the gall. I had no idea that I was emanating it. I thought every all men, you know, whatever I thought I was, it ain't so. <laughs> I mean, you know, like a magnet, like Cleopatra, uh, like in the movies. But the point is, I finally saw um, how I used it um, to get what I wanted. Yes, uh, it's true. Even even in the line. Yes, it. You know, in the store, it all it all stemmed from this thinking. And, you know, when I did the work and finally saw, I finally saw because I finally saw that it hurt a fellow in my old church. I would discuss my husband who, 
he was a co-worker of his, and uh, he reveals something about his wife. Well, the point of the story is when he snubbed me and just chatted with my husband at, a, at an event of the church, it hit me. It finally hit me. I, I really owe him a thanks, and, you know, I never could make the amend. He never wanted to talk to me, even in an open area or something. He, but I, my heart totally changed. It's gone. Thank you. God, it's gone. You know, I moved twice now to two different independent livings, and mail things are just non-factor. And the wives of the of the men in the old church, they're some of my closest friends now. The change, this is about uh, really making a quality life for yourself, and it doesn't matter how old you are. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita J. Noel, it's your turn, followed by Marianne. Noel, can we add the initial of your last name, please? Hi, this is Noel E. Uh, recovering compulsive overeater from Louisiana, and I, I'm just out into this meeting, and um, the shares so far have been so powerful. And I'm, um, I'm in. Uh, God's revealing this stuff to me right now. I, uh, I have been in my marriage for ten years, and I, my recovery is. Um, is the only thing that will, you know, keep me faithful. Hi, yeah, I see it. I have a one-year-old right here, too. Um, the only thing that will keep me faithful, um, continually faithful to my husband. And I I can just, now it's just so clear how that has been such a theme, a constant theme with all the men in my life. Um, which is maybe why there aren't a lot of men in my life is because I the pressure to the pressure to be a certain way, um, and the lack of self control to be any other way, kind of in the same breath, is um overwhelming. But thank you for everybody doing service and get that all back. Thank you, Noel E. Marianne N., it's your turn. Please go ahead. Press star one to unmute, Marianne. Hi, this is Marianne V. Uh, Thanks for letting me share. I didn't expect to be sharing on this topic when I heard what we were reading, but it came to me that I needed to. Um, I recently did a an amends to my husband, and part of it was around this subject of sex. And what I found out, and we've been together 30 years and married 20 years, and I'm 64, so, yeah, nothing, you know, it doesn't go away as you age. My husband's over 80. So um, when I talked to him about this and made my amends, I found out that I didn't even understand what was going on, and he wasn't upset, and... It was not anything like what I thought it was. So I guess why I wanted to share that was because it's amazing what the amends process and, you know, in step 10, what we can find out when we have an honest discussion with someone and don't just, I don't just live in my head 
and decide that I know what's going on and I know how he feels and I know what he wants. And, you know, I totally misinterpreted a lot of stuff. And I only found out that by having the courage to bring it up and talk about it. And this program does take a lot of courage to face things, to, you know, to bear my soul and to to be honest with myself and the people I'm interacting with, um, particularly the, you know, people like my husband and people I'm close to. So it is a tough topic and it is, um, you know, personal. And But I just wanted to share that, that, you know, for me, I have to make sure that what's going on is not just in my head, that it's reality. And, and I was so relieved after that conversation. So uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Marianne B. There's time for one more share. Would anybody like that time? Rebecca A. Okay, Rebecca, please go ahead. Hi, yeah, I'm Rebecca A. from London in the UK. Really grateful to be here. Um, I'm a compulsive eater. Um, yeah, like um, I really loved uh, listening to the shares on this and um, reading this paragraph. It made me think of um, the 11th step and that 11th step prayer where it's inviting me to kind of focus on what I can give rather than what I can take. And I think that's been a real shifting point when it's come to relationships because I've all the way through thought, this is all about propping myself up, what I can get from my partner, what I can get from my friends, what I can get from relationships, rather than what can I give? Am I a gift? yeah, now I really understand that I am and that my role is to follow my higher power's will for me. And that more often than not is about asking where I can be of service. And it's where I can be of service to my partner, not the other way around, you know. I think I have a relationship that I was lucky enough to be in for the last seven years. And I'm glad that today I've realised that it's not just about propping up my self-esteem from this relationship. It's about being of service. It's about, you know, being there for someone. Um, and this part of the steps reminds me that it's not just about what you can take out of relationships. It's about what you give. And actually, when you have this understanding that my higher power gives me everything I need and I'm a gift, I don't have to be taking out of relationships. I'm kind of free to give. And uh, that's all I wanted to share. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rebecca A. Thank you to everyone who shared and to Team Monday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for this morning's meeting, Monday, July the 5th, the 7 a.m. meeting, is 17286. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Marjo, would you read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only, please. Yes, thank you. May I be heard? Yes, thank you. All righty. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly... Oh, sorry. Sorry. 
God will constantly disclose to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.